Welcome to the Simply Charlotte Mason podcast. I'm Sonia Shaver. You know, in a Charlotte Mason approach, we want to give our children the best books, worthy books, and we hold those in such high esteem. We value those. But what do you do if your child says, no, I like the twaddle instead? Joining me to discuss that dilemma is Laura Pitney. Laura, thanks for joining me for this interesting discussion. I think it's it, it might be more common than people admit. Yeah, I think it is. I think it is. <laughs> Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here to talk about it. So what is twaddle? Yeah, I think we should start there yeah. because some moms might say, my child is reading twaddle when it might not be twaddle. So I would define twaddle as dumbed down, usually short, choppy sentences. But I think there's two aspects we need to discuss here, all right? One is the reading level, which might be the style, the short, choppy sentences, the one-syllable words, all right? That's the reading level. But also, the more important thing is the ideas that are included in the book. Yeah, because you can still have a lower reading level, but still feed the good ideas in the content. So um, they are two separate things, but you can still make good choices for the lower reading levels um, with good ideas. And especially if the child is reading for themselves, which is what this question is all about, that my child just wants to read the twaddle, then in, in Charlotte's approach, first through third grade, you are reading the school books to the child because they can't read those higher level books for themselves. So yeah, they might be reading some short choppy sentences as they're finding their feet in the reading process, but we can still make sure it has good ideas, that it's not just fluff. And I feel like that's where our struggle is, is finding the good books for reading practice and fluency and I feel like sometimes you feel like twaddle is your only option. So there are good choices out there. So let's also address one other thing before we dive into some practical tips, and that is respecting the child. Yeah. Even though you might not appreciate his choice, there's still an element of not despising the child or making him feel less than because, oh, you're reading that? We Instead, I think we want to come at it from, you are capable of much more, and you are worth good ideas being in your head. Yeah, I have a good example of this. So um, I usually have books that fit our family values and ones that I want my children to read. And basically, they're free, like free free choice, like yeah. for any of their leisure, leisure reads, yeah, yeah. reading. Mm-hmm. And so a few years ago, when my son was still a reluctant reader, he had approached me and asked about reading a book series that some of his friends were reading. And it was not my first choice. I probably would never have, like, purchased it for my home. Um, It wasn't bad. It just wasn't my preference. And so... So it met your standards... Correct. ...for values, I guess it would be. Just the the reading style itself, the writing style was not up to par. Correct. So I had a choice to make. I felt like I could have just said a hard no. I don't even want to go there because I just felt like that's going to open the door up for other book series that just kind of, you know, you just kind of go down that path. Slide down the hill. Right, right. So I had a choice to make. 
and um, I allowed him to read it. I said, well, we'll get the first one from the library, and you can read the first of the series. And so um, he read it, and he said he wasn't interested anymore. So I felt like he made a good judgment call to the quality of the content that the books that are on our shelf that he's allowed to read whenever he wants just had more substance to it. Um, they were more interesting to him. Um, but I felt like it was a victory for me that he <laughs> made that decision on his own, that there's better choices to make. But yeah. um, I also understand that he kind of was interested in it because he thought it would be an easy read for him just because he wasn't a confident reader yet. Um, so I felt like it kind of answered both those things. He was able to read it, which gave him confidence, mm -hmm. but then he also learned that there were better choices. That's wonderful. And I think it's important to realize that it's a gradual process of cultivating that child's taste. You know, if, if the child has not had the background of you reading good books to them or being exposed to these great books, then yeah, they're going to probably gravitate toward the twaddle. So it's going to be a, tr a gradual process of cultivating taste or a gradual transition, mm -hmm. I think. Yeah, so what, so what do we do when there's, say, outside influences that bring the books in? So maybe a birthday present from a friend or hand-me-downs from a relative, and the kids are so excited about these books they're being given, but you're just like, oh, those aren't my favorite. Yeah, inside your really cringe. Want, yeah. Yeah. So what do we do with <laughs> yeah. that? What, what does that look like? Okay, some practical ideas. Um, one possibility is to choose the worthy books for schoolwork. Absolutely. And especially if you're reading those aloud. And by the way, yep. a little extra little challenge maybe mm -hmm. is um, you, we can all work on our reading aloud skills. Yeah, yeah so true. Because so the way a book is read can yeah. affect whether a child enjoys it or not. Right. So yep. set that aside. We can stick with the worthy books for schoolwork, but have leisure reads in a basket or in a stack. These are the ones that you're allowed to read outside of school time. And just as we talk about cultivating the tastes, you know, mm -hmm. you wouldn't give your child all sweets and desserts and sugar and candy. Even though that's what they want. <laughs> Even though that's what they want. So in your leisure read basket, it doesn't have to be all twaddle. But if there's a book or two that you've been given or that the child finds at the library or a friend recommends, you know, you could throw in a couple of those, mm -hmm. but have the rest of them be good leisure read books as yeah. well. Does that make sense? It does. It does. And I think that um, it's a great idea to make sure you're putting books in that basket that you not only approve of, but are interesting to the child. Yes. I think that will help them want to read them if it's um, the right genre of interest. Well, and it's the same for us. Yeah. I mean... I get book recommendations all the time that are on an adult level, mm -hmm. and some of them look really interesting to me. So I put those on my wish list, you know? And other ones, it's like, oh, thanks. I appreciate the recommendation. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It just doesn't interest yeah. me. It, yeah. it, the topic is not one I would really go for. And if I was forced to read that, it might dampen my enthusiasm. So I think it's the same yeah. for our kids. Ag agreed, yes. I think so too. <laughs> so another possibility we can do, especially for younger kids, in order to cultivate those tastes, if they're not able to read the, the writing level 
of a good book, we can get them an audio book of it and let them follow along. Mm -hmm. Or some kids, even if you can get the dramatized version mm -hmm. of a good book. Yeah, I think that's so important. And I've seen that in my own kids' lives where um, they weren't quite interested in a book series, but either an older sibling had read it and really wanted them to read it, so mm. they were kind of felt kind of guilted into reading it. But then <laughs> having the aud audible book or, um, like you said, the dramatization, it just really helped them get over that hurdle of enjoying it, not just out of obligation, but because they're enjoying the story. So I've seen that in my own kids' lives, for sure. And I think... For some kids, especially if they're very auditory, hearing mm -hmm. the dramatization starts to prime the pump, as it were, so that when they are reading on their own, they can tap into that and still hear a dramatized version yeah. of their own, maybe. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Yeah. I have one child who's very auditory, and, yeah. and she would use different voices mm -hmm. as she would read things mm -hmm. just to keep her interest yeah. up. So yeah, absolutely. One other thing that's been very interesting to me is that this is what's happening to me lately. Sure. I will sit down to read a book, and I'll read for the first paragraph or 12 lines, and then suddenly I find that I have skipped five or six lines, and I'm reading down here, and then I skip again. And it's like, what is happening to me? Is this old age, or what is going on? <laughs> yeah. But then I heard someone talk about how when... We do spend a lot of time on the internet, especially, and I'm not saying a lot of time as in, sure. you know, exorbitant, exorbitant amounts, but if that has become a habit that we're checking regularly, we don't usually read every single word right. on, a, on a screen. Right. If I'm ordering something from Amazon, which I do regularly, <laughs> I don't read every single word on that screen. I skim. Sure. I glance around. And that's rewiring my brain so that when I come to a sheet of a book, a page of a book, my brain starts to read. And it's like, oh, no, we're supposed to skip around. We're supposed to skip around. Yeah. And that's what was happening. So I have to make a concerted effort now mm -hmm. to know, don't skip. We're going back. We're going to read every word and rebuild that yeah. skill. So if a child is used to spending a lot of time on a screen, mm -hmm. they might have that aspect that they're fighting against as yeah. well. Yeah, and I think um, maybe a good way to combat that is to have the child read out loud every once in a while mm. to you just to recreate that habit of making sure they're looking at every word. That's a great idea. So just to check in, maybe you're not sure if that's what's happening, but yeah. I think if they're um, struggling reading out loud, that there might be other reasons, but that might mm -hmm. be a good gauge to know maybe what's happening in their brain. Yeah, I don't know. yeah. And it's all about, as you see them, if you see them skipping, yeah. that yeah. might be a clue. Yeah. That was an eye-opener to yeah. me. It was like, whoa, this is really happening. I'm rewiring my brain. Yeah, ah! yeah. you should stop. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's go back to the other habit and yeah. wire it the other way again. Yeah. And then, But if we're going to remove some electronic time, I think it's really important to replace it. Because sometimes yeah. kids, and I do this too, you're drawn to twaddle, mm -hmm. whether it's books or movies, yeah. just because you don't have anything else to do yeah. at that time. Yeah. So you take the easy way out. Yeah. So yeah. if we can introduce other occupations, hobby ideas, 
And maybe not. It doesn't have to be reading. It may be, yeah, right. like you're saying, different activities. And that brings up a good point that um, whether we want to accept it or not, our kids are watching us. So, mm. you know, it's kind of like what we do in our downtime or our um, off-the-clock time is still an example to them. So whether we're doing twaddle books or magazines or what we would say light reading or shows or whatever it is. I mean, we just need to consider that because it is an example to our children. So if we're choosing good and worthy things to do with our time, you know, hopefully that's what they'll choose to do too. But for children, we need to make sure they have the options. So um, I know years ago, whenever the kids finished with their school and their chores, I didn't just give them free play the rest of the day because who knows what they would get into you know so <laughs> you know like Monday to have three or four options Tuesdays I'd have three or four options so I still gave them purposeful things to do with their time just so they didn't you know uh I don't know rearrange the house <laughs> and move the dishes to the bathroom or whatever it is that they would do if they're if creative I didn't have them. you know right. they would come so up with them. they still had that leisurely downtime, but it was still, why don't you do this or choose from these three or four things that um, I felt like were still purposeful so that, first of all, they didn't get into trouble, but also it was still giving them the freedom to choose, but there were still parameters there for the good and worthy things. Yeah, that's a great idea as well. Sometimes we put such an emphasis on, I want my child to be a reader, that we tend to slide clear over to, I want them to read in all their spare time, or if they're reading all their time, that's a good thing. But Charlotte was so direct about keeping a good balance and not overloading in one area or the other. So I love those ideas. All right, so keeping the good books during school time, recommending good books on subjects they're interested in, for leisure reads, but you can also throw in a couple of those twaddles if they really, really want it. Mm -hmm. um, treat it like dessert candy, not the main course. And then watching the electronics, giving them other things that they can do in their spare time, and making sure we're doing worthy things in our spare time, reading good books. That doesn't mean we have to read a, a treatise, you know, <laughs> yeah. every day, war and peace, you know. Yeah. But we just need to know that they're watching us as well. Thanks. If you enjoyed this podcast, subscribe through iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcast app so you don't miss an episode. You can also subscribe to the video version of this podcast or read the blog post on our website at simplycharlottemason.com. All of those links will be in the notes, along with links to any resources that I mentioned. Thanks for joining me. I'll see you next time.